Welcome to Instant Mom. Welcome back to Instant Mom, navigating solo, foster, and adoptive motherhood while attempting a go at sanity. So it's been a while since I've done an episode. Um, This little thing called a pandemic happened and uh, haven't really been focused on doing a recording since then. Um, We've been locked down here for 30 days. Jack's school has been canceled during that time. I've been working from home. It has um, been quite an experience. (laughs) Um, It's really tough to be a single parent during lockdown because you don't really get a break and uh, there's just a lot of stress to deal with. So I've been making a lot of concessions that I typically would not make. I bought an indoor bounce house that is taking up our entire formal living room right now. Um, Jack's potty training has regressed a ton, but I'm not even going to worry about it right now. That's the least of my worries at this point. Um, We've been eating dinner in front of the TV, which is not a great habit, but we've been doing it. (laughs) Um, Because, you know, when you're trying to balance working and entertaining a three-year-old, for 30 days in a row by yourself in isolation, you just got to do what you got to do, you know. But um, admittedly, the first part of this, really probably the first two weeks were really, really tough for me. Um, If you've been following me on Instagram, you may know this, but um, even before this pandemic started, I felt my anxiety really starting to get out of control. And I've mentioned this in a few episodes before, but to catch everybody up, I've struggled with panic attacks my entire life since I was a kid even, which is kind of unheard of, Um, and was on medication for a while and did really well on medication. And then about two years ago, thought, wow, I just feel so great. I'm just going to stop medication. And that was dumb because the reason why I felt so great is because the medication was working. But I took myself off and I did do really well for a while, but um, probably within the past six months, it started to get bad again. Just having um, really, um, I was going to say paranoid thoughts, but that's not really the right word. It's not paranoia. It's just worst case scenario thoughts, worrying to the extreme, panicking over everything that could go wrong. Um, you know, obsessing over everything that could go wrong, just having a lot of panic and anxiety. And um, of course, when this pandemic happened, it made everything 50 million times worse because it, um, you know, is scary for anybody, no matter how zen and balanced you are. But it also specifically um, is um, a terrible nightmare of all of my panic attack triggers being um, isolated and being alone, not having my support systems, um, disease and death and suffering. Uh, So yeah, it did not go well. And for really the first two weeks, I was a a mess. I was really, really worried about um, my mental health and my physical health as a result of that. I was um, crying all the time, Uh, I was hyperventilating all the time. It was one constant panic attack. I kept thinking I was having a heart attack. Um, it was just, I had just, I was just so depressed and, and I've never really been depressed. I've I've always struggled with anxiety and panic, but I've never really struggled with depression, but I started to feel myself sinking into a really deep depression. I would wake up in the morning with just this, um, sense of doom in the pit of my stomach and it, it would just be really difficult to make myself 
get up and do the things that I needed to do, which is not a good place to be in at all. And so very quickly recognized that I needed to get back on my medication, which I had been planning to do before the pandemic anyway, but I sort of fast-tracked that and um, got to talk with my amazing psychologist, um, who also happens to be very, very handsome, which does not hurt. And luckily he's doing virtual appointments. And so um, started back on my medication and just a huge shout out to Zoloft, man. (laughs) Um, It's amazing. I feel... 4 million times better. I feel better than normal. Um, and I just want to tell anybody who's suffering with panic or anxiety or depression out there, you do not need to be ashamed of your struggle. Um, you do not need to try to fight this without medication. Medication is there for a reason. And what you are going through is not because you are weak or because you don't have good coping skills. It is because of a chemical imbalance in your brain. And, um, you know, just like if you have an infection, you need an antibiotic to fight it. You can't fight an infection with positivity alone. Um, you can't fight mental illness with positivity alone either. And, um, of course, all those coping skills certainly help, but sometimes some people just need medication and it's been amazing. I haven't been crying and I haven't felt a sense of doom anymore. And um, really the past two or three weeks I've been, um, I, I don't want to say this world word out loud because I'm afraid to tempt the universe, but um, I've actually been enjoying this. I mean, clearly I have not been enjoying all the tragic stories that you hear and watching the death rates go up and worrying about um, friends and family who are in hotspots. And that's not to diminish anything that's happening. But I've been really able to enjoy my time with Jack and enjoy the slower pace of life now. And, um, And actually, the time has been flying by. I mean, if somebody told me I'd be stuck in a house with a three-year-old for 30 days, I would have thought this would feel like 30 years. And it's actually gone by really quickly. So um, I'm just super grateful. I've been doing a lot of prayer, a lot of meditation. And then with the Zoloft, it's been um, a game changer. So um, so anyway, that's a little update on us. Um, we did have a placement of a newborn baby girl who I picked up from the hospital um, about a month ago. And she stayed with us all of 24 hours until she was moved. Um, So that was a little bit of a false alarm, but it was good to get into the flow of things again and get ready to to go, right? Um, So we are still on the call list. I did get some calls um, early on when the lockdown started, and I said no to them because as I just talked about, I was not in a good place mentally. Um, I could barely take care of myself and Jack and hold it together and I was not holding it together. So I had, you know, absolutely no business saying yes to a placement. But now that I am feeling better, um, and, um, this has kind of become the new normal, um, we are ready to say yes again when that call comes. Um, So that's kind of where we are right now, just with everybody else enjoying the time outside. We've been planting a garden and a vegetable garden, taking lots of nature walks. I'm really happy we got a swing set right before this happened. That's been great. Um, We finally met our neighbors and we've been having um, over the fence uh, happy hours where they sit on their side and we sit on our side and chat. So there's been um, a lot of joy to find in the midst of all of this kind of panic and terror. Um, So I'm really grateful for that. 
So I put out there on Instagram today that I was going to be doing this quick catch-up episode and asked if anybody had questions, and I got a lot of questions, actually. So let's see. We've got one, two, three, four, six questions that I thought I would answer. Um, And if you have any other questions that I didn't cover, please feel free to send me a note, and I will do my best to respond to you um, personally or to cover it in a new episode. Um, So somebody asked, uh, a couple of people have actually asked this one, any insights on how fostering has changed during the COVID lockdown? Yeah, fostering has definitely changed during the lockdown um, because, you know, everything has changed. Um, First of all, there are fewer foster parents who are willing to say yes, and I was one of those, Um, either because, like me, they're just not having a really good time coping themselves Um, or, you know, they're just afraid to open up their homes and have an additional exposure that could possibly be carrying the virus. Um, so it's just, um, there was already a huge lack of qualified foster homes before this, and now it's even harder to find a placement. At the same time, there are more kids in foster care, um, at least here in Marion County. And I've heard this, um, sort of across the country as well, that unfortunately, um, Domestic violence has seen a huge uptick and um, neglect of children and child abuse has seen an uptick as well because without kids being in school, um, without people going to work, there's a lot of stress, stress about money, stress about food, stress of having the kids there all the time, um, people being locked in a home with their um, abuser. And so more kids are coming into care than there had been before this. So that is sort of a perfect storm of more kids and fewer homes. Um, That's kind of a a huge deal. It's also had an impact on um, youth who have recently aged out of foster care who might have been in college. And um, the colleges, of course, are closed and they might not have a place to go home to. Um, So we're seeing an uptick in um, kids 18 to 25 who did have some place to go and who are now homeless or just kind of um, hoping that friends can give them a place to crash. So that's really difficult. And a disproportionate amount of children who have aged out of foster care are working in one of those jobs that have been eliminated, um, food service or retail. So it's really difficult for kids who um, are young adults um, as well. And then for uh, foster parents who do have a placement right now, it's really hard for them to get support because, of course, their support system, their friends, their family, their groups um, are quarantined too. So uh, since everybody has to shelter in place, at least here in our state and many other states across the country, um, everybody has to sort of just go this alone. And um, foster care is really hard to do alone. Um, Also, some doctors and therapy appointments have been canceled for foster kids, so that's been difficult. Um, A lot of um, visits with birth parents are either going virtual and they're doing them through phone calls or Zoom meetings, or they're being canceled and and court dates, of course, are either being postponed or they're virtual if they are um, emergency court dates. So um, it's really impacted everything about foster care. Um, And then somebody asked, is there a way to help support the foster system during this pandemic? Yes, absolutely. Um, First, I would see if you can just become a foster parent. Um, It's easier to be a foster parent now than ever because the trainings are all virtual. So um, that's 
uh, really great for people's schedules. It, it's, it's not convenient um, to have to take classes that are uh, several hours long in the evenings or on the weekends. And now, since everybody has more free time and you can take all of these classes from the comfort of your own couch or your bed, you are out of one more excuse <laughs> to become a foster parent. So I would say start the process now while it's easier than ever and just get that done and become a resource parent yourself. Uh, but I'd also urge people to donate money if they can to organizations that support youth who have recently aged out of foster care, because as I mentioned, they are so vulnerable right now. Um, and so um, if, if there are all sorts of organizations, there isn't really a great um, national organization necessarily. Um, Together We Rise is the first one that comes to mind, but um, many of the organizations are local. So I just urge you to sort of Google in your area um, uh, foster youth organization or youth aged out of foster care charity and see if you can donate some resources. Um, a lot of them are looking for financial donations, but also um, resources too. So they're looking for things like clothes and hygiene products and food um, to help those um, young adults kind of get through this tough time. Um, and then the same thing that you, the same way that you can support a foster parent before this pandemic, um, you can still do now. So um, if you have been quarantining yourself, um, is that is that a word? Quarantining? If you have been quarantined, yeah, we'll just we'll go for it. If you have been quarantining uh, yourself and um, you truly are not exposing yourself to anybody else, then it might be worth it to ask a foster parent if you can come over. And watch their children for a few hours and give them some relief so that they can get in a shower or just have a, a moment of peace and quiet. Of course, if you have been out and about or if you're seeing other people, I would not advise that because you don't want to um, expose them unnecessarily. But I know people are afraid to ask for help because it is a bigger burden now than ever, um, but they still really need it. So if you've been responsible and you've been doing your part and you are not around anybody else, then maybe you can make a pact with um, a foster family in your community that you can come over and help them and continue to quarantine yourself so that you are not um, exposing um, them to any other um, viruses. Um, but again, see if you can become a foster parent. Um, and I've talked about this before too, but even if you aren't sure about taking the leap and fostering um, sort of a long-term placement, you can still become a respite parent. And what that means is that you would just help out a foster family. And um, if they need a break, whether it's just for 24 hours or sometimes a couple of days or maybe even a week, um, the foster child comes and stays with you, sort of like long-term babysitting. And the foster parents get a much needed break. So um, that's a great way to dip your toe in the water as well to see if fostering could be a fit for you. You go through all the same certifications as a foster parent and get your fostering license. But instead of saying yes to a long-term placement, you just help out a foster family. And if it doesn't work for you, that's okay because you were just doing it for a few days anyway. And if it does work for you and you like it, then you can jump right in and say yes to a longer-term placement. Um, someone asked, how are you taking care of yourself during this crazy time? So Zoloft, for sure, has been helping. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, I'm just um, uh, trying to let some things go. Um, you know, uh, uh, it's not going to be a perfect situation. The house is not going to be perfectly clean. Um, I wish I was one of those homeschool moms who had the whiteboard schedule and we were working on something different every half hour, but it's just not possible. And so um, I'm trying to um, let myself 
um, off the hook a little bit and, um, and just enjoy this time and know that it's not going to be like, um, Pinterest or Instagram mom perfect and that's okay. Um, and that's kind of it. (laughs) Um, you know, I, uh, it's tough. It's tough to care for yourself during this time, but I think at least by letting go of those expectations that has helped me a little bit. Um, and just really trying to find the joy where I can, because, you know, soon enough we will be in traffic jams. We will be commuting to an office. We will be stuck in a crowded line somewhere. And, um, we might look back at this time with a little bit of nostalgia and wish that we could slow down again. Um, albeit not with a deadly virus, but you know, so I'm just trying to keep it all in perspective. We are safe and we are healthy and we have all of the resources we need, And, um, that puts us in a better position than a lot of people. And so we're just really grateful for that. Um, I had a couple of people ask more about the foster to adopt process. Um, somebody just wanted to know, is it possible to foster a child, um, who is free for adoption and, and only foster children who are free for adoption and how do you adopt through foster care? Um, I did a whole episode about this, so I won't get into it here, but if you go to episode six, which is called adoption through foster care, I talk about the whole complicated process and answer all of those questions. So I would urge you to check that out. Episode six, adoption through foster care. Uh, someone asked, did any of your family or friends react negatively to you becoming a single foster mom? Yes my mom. Um, my mom was the only person who, at least to my face, uh, expressed concern over it. And she still, uh, does not want me to continue to foster. Um, she adores Jack and like Jack is her best friend and, um, and Jack worships her. Like they are two peas in a pod and inseparable and they FaceTime a million times a day. So she's totally on board with that. But she worries, um, you know, because she's my mommy and she worries for her baby. And she has seen my struggles with anxiety and panic. And she has seen the stress of just, you know, being a single working mom with a a child and um, what that means in just in practical terms. And so she's just worried about me, which makes sense. And she doesn't want me to get in over my head or to uh, bring on any more stress financially or mentally or physically. Um, And so I think she would be, I don't think, I know she would be thrilled if I said, okay, I'm going to give up my foster license. I'm done. Uh, And we usually get into a fight every time I say yes to a placement. I tell her that I'll call her and I tell her that I say yes. I told her that I'd say yes. And then she would be really upset and tell me that I shouldn't do it. And um, it's too expensive. And I'm going to be so stressed out and so sleep deprived and blah, 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 blah. And I tell her I'm doing it anyway. And then she gets mad at me. And um, it's kind of the cycle that we've been through now eight times. And that sucks, frankly. Um, You know, we've had many conversations where I've told her, you know, how much it would help me if she supported me. Um, but we're just never going to agree on this. She's never going to be excited about me fostering and I'm probably never going to just totally give up fostering, at least not now. It's not in the cards. So, um, I just have to accept that although I wish she was super supportive and excited for me, she's not going to be in that part of my life. 
Um, and it's really tough because I'm an only child and, uh, I was raised by my single mom. And so, you know, she's, um, a huge part of my life and it's really hard for me to do things that she doesn't approve of. Um, it takes a big mental toll on me, but I believe that this is what I'm supposed to do fostering. And I believe I can do a good job of it and I have done a good job of it. And so I just have to, um, keep moving forward and, um, and not let it weigh me down. And that's the tough part because it does get in my head and psych me out. There have been some times where I've um, told her that I'm going to say yes to a placement and she gets in my head so much that um, I end up saying no because I'm just like, oh my God, I can't deal with the stress of my mom being angry at me for this. So I'll just say no just to avoid that. Um, so it's really, it's really tough, um, but it is what it is, you know? It is what it is. But she is the only one who has, like I said, at least um, to me that I know of, um, reacted negatively to this. So, um, yeah. But it's not uncommon. I've heard this especially from a lot of single. I I don't hear it so much from um, married foster parents, but I do from single foster parents that uh, particularly family uh, is not happy about it just because they worry of you know, you're getting in over your head or these kids really need two parents. You're not doing them justice, that kind of thing. But, um, you know, if we waited for everybody in our lives to approve of everything we did, like we wouldn't do anything in life. Right. So you just got to keep moving on. Um, and the last question, somebody said, how do you juggle the desire to help all of the kids and the reality of life, money, time, et cetera? Yeah, I still am trying to figure this one out. Um, You know, part of me would love to buy a big old house in the middle of the country and just like foster full time somehow and like write a memoir about it for, you know, sell it for a bunch of money. And then (laughs) that's how I would earn my living. Um, And then part of me thinks that that would be terrible. (laughs) Um, So you just do what you can. And I think, um, I've evolved over the past four years. I I started thinking that I could save all the kids and that I could take on two and three kids at a time and, and I could do everything. And then I saw myself crashing and burning or not being the best mother that I could be or not being the best employee that I could be. And so I've tried to be really realistic about it. And, um, you know, you have to put your own oxygen mask on first before you can help somebody else. I really believe that. And so I just, I don't want to be a martyr. Um, uh, if I don't think I can do it, then I won't do it. And sometimes that means saying no. Like when I got the call at the beginning of this pandemic, um, I didn't feel bad about saying no because I knew that it would not have been good for anybody. It wouldn't have been good for that baby or for Jack or for me. Like that would not have actually been helping if I said yes at that time. Um, so what I try to do is knowing that I can't help all of the kids is to talk about fostering so that more people like you guys listening out there will say yes. And then, um, we don't have to take on as much because there would be so many people who would want to foster that there would be more than enough foster homes for all of these kids. And, um, and caseworkers could be picky about what foster homes they selected because there would be just so many of us, um, so that's how I, I juggle it is knowing that I can't help everything and everyone and not even pretending that I can and trying to motivate other people to become foster parents so that they can help um, shoulder the load here. So that is how I do it. 
Um, and that that's it for all the questions. So thank you guys for submitting those questions. As always, you can send me a message on Instagram at efriedland. You can also email me elizabeth.friedland at gmail.com. Uh, I love answering questions, especially from people who are exploring the process or new to the process or just going through licensing because there are just so many unknowns and so many variables and, um, and I feel like I've been through all of them. (laughs) So, um, I love helping, uh, people navigate their way through this because it is so great to foster and it's so rewarding and, um, the best decision I've ever made. So, Hopefully, uh, it motivates some of you all too. So thanks for listening, everybody, and uh, we'll update you soon.